I want you to know that I never take for granted the privilege of getting to share the Word of God with anybody. It doesn't matter whether it's five people or 5,000 people. It is a gift and a grace you give me to let me share the Word of God with you. And so whether you're at any of the three campuses of our church or you're watching online or you're one of the many thousands who listen to podcasts, thank you for that grace. No excuse to absences for the rest of the month. As I start today, a very important teaching. And the purpose of this particular sermon is to get you to stop being a Christian. Do I have everyone's attention? (laughs) The last words of Jesus before he ascended were these. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, somehow we took that clear set of orders from the commander in chief. And we went into the world and we asked people to make decisions for Christ. But those weren't the orders. Jesus is not interested in people making decisions. He's interested in disciples making more disciples. And if he is Lord then this mission is non-negotiable. So, several years ago, when we wanted to craft a mission statement for our church that you would memorize, we already knew what the mission was. It was just how can we phrase it in a way that becomes a part of your everyday language. And so, I hope by now you have memorized this sentence. That the hills church exists to make and grow followers of Jesus through worship, community, and service. And in the next three weeks, we will talk about the second half of that sentence. But I want to focus right now on what it means to make and grow followers of Jesus because Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian, but he invited everyone to follow him. You see, I think the Jesus movement needs a rebranding campaign. Because today, what does it really mean for something or someone to be labeled Christian. And the truth is, it means hardly anything at all. You can be anything, do anything, think anything, say anything, and be Christian. A word that once implied a total abandonment 
now suggests merely a casual association. In other words, today, you do not have to radically follow Jesus in order to be a Christian. Several years ago, there was a movie titled The Social Network, and it chronicled the founder and the birth of this social media giant called Facebook. Its founder was a brilliant and some would say socially challenged young man named uh, Mark Zuckerberg. And in one scene in the movie, he's required to take a deposition. You can tell he is filled with contempt for the whole process. He's just looking out a window when a high-powered attorney says, Do I have your attention? And he turns with scorn and he says, You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. And today, to be Christian merely means you have given Jesus a minimum amount of attention, enough to get your go to heaven card stamped, but little more. Christian is not a bad word, but it has become an empty word. And that is why surveys consistently show that while a majority of people like Jesus, Majorities of people say they don't like Christians because they don't see a strong identification. Christian today means you like Jesus. It no longer means you are like Jesus. It's not a word used very much in the Bible, only three times. And to our knowledge, Jesus never used the word. But he did use a word. It's found 256 times in the New Testament. It's the word disciple. It means follower. It means learner. It means intern. Because Jesus isn't into decisions. He never asked anyone to accept him. But he invited everyone to follow him. So we need a rebranding campaign. We need a new word. And the word I'm suggesting is fellowship. Now, even that word has problems. Because today, what does it mean to follow Somebody. I have a Twitter account. I have thousands of followers. Most of my followers have never met me. They don't know me. They have no relationship with me. They know that I have no expectations of them should they choose to follow me. And If they decide to unfollow me, there are no consequences, except, of course, that God will not like them anymore. (laughs) 
And so it's not the best word, but I'm going to keep the word because it is the word that Jesus used. And what I want to do is try to help you hear what the people he spoke to heard when he said, follow me. They didn't hear, make a place for me in your life. They heard, I want first place. They heard, I want your life to be obsessed with me. The imitation of me. The supremacy of me. The accomplishment, the pursuit of my mission and agenda. They heard a daily decision to die. Jesus said in Luke 9, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So, followship means we are offering our lives to Jesus. When they heard follow me, they did not hear like me. They heard come be like me. Today, how do we train doctors? We don't give them a textbook, tell them to sit in a row for a few hours a week and hear a lecture and then go do surgery. We take them to hospitals where they listen to doctors, where they follow doctors, where they watch what doctors do. And then they do what doctors do while doctors watch them and teach them and correct them so that they can become doctors. I think especially in the Western expressions of Christianity, we've lost that. We have, if you'll forgive the pun, watered down baptism. Today, baptism means I accept Jesus, I get my go-to-heaven card punched, I have arrived at the desired Christian destination. But in the beginning, baptism was a portal. It was literally an immersion into a new life course where you are going to pursue radically What it means now to think and walk and talk and be like Jesus. But that's not what it means anymore to be a Christian. And so, we can fill rooms with Christians. But how many leave the room to radically Follow Jesus. We need a rebranding campaign. To a culture that has become completely skeptical of Christians. Something that communicates that there is a community of people. Who are serious about radically pursuing The life of Jesus. 
And I think it begins by identifying and by confessing ways that we have been Christian that did not require us to follow Jesus. Let me use as a template Jesus' story about the soils. He knew that his seed, his word, his invitation to follow him would fall on different kinds of hearts. In that day, they didn't have fences to separate fields. And so they made paths between pieces of property where people would walk and the ground would get very hard. And some of that seed would fall on that hard ground and it rarely ever penetrated and became a crop. Some of that seed would fall on soil that actually was quite shallow because a few inches beneath the ground there was a limestone ledge. And so at first the crop would grow, but then in Jesus' words, when it got hot, the lack of depth of roots would cause it to wither and die. Some of that seed would fall on thorny soil. It doesn't mean that there were thorns growing out. It means that there were thorn seeds already in it and they grew with the good seed and choked it out, or to use Jesus' word, the crop did not mature. And some of that seed fell on really good soil, and the roots went deep, and the crop grew and gave evidence that there was real life in that seed. How do we follow Jesus? Well, there is a kind of following that says... I'm not going there. A kind of being a Christian that is marked by a real hardness to Jesus' expectations. Today, you can be a Christian and absolutely refuse to allow some of the things Jesus said to penetrate your heart and change your life. The kind of Christian that loves the baby in the manger but doesn't have a lot of use for the sovereign on a throne. And so recently, I confronted a man who had been sending me a lot of emails that were demeaning and disrespectful of the president. And I said, it doesn't matter whether you voted for the man or even like the man. The Lord did say we are to respect and give honor to our leaders. To which he said, well, I just can't go there. Really? Well, what else did the Lord say that you just can't do? And it never dawned on him a disconnect between being a Christian and obeying Jesus. And so today, you can be a rapper and put a cross around your neck while you sell millions of albums in language that just demeans and denigrates women. And they put the mic in front of the athlete after the big game. And they said, I just want to give glory to God. We just heard him drop five F-bombs. And he's got eight kids by four women he's not married to. And apparently today to be Christian has nothing to say to the way we express our sexuality. Because I can sleep with whoever I want, whenever I want, whether I'm married or want, whether they're the same sex or not. Jesus doesn't get to speak into that. And don't you judge me. I'm a Christian. I remind you that I grew up in a church where you could be Christian and be blatantly racist. Where it was not unusual to hear the N-word in the church building. 
And every time we refuse to do what Jesus said, it's just 100 more steps on that heart that says, well, I'm not going there. And then there's a way of following Jesus that says, well, I'm not going deep. A kind of following that is marked by a real shallowness. A Christianity that's built on cliches and bumper sticker slogans and refrigerator magnet sayings. But in Jesus' own words, when the heat is on and the trials come and life gets hard and life always gets hard. What becomes very clear is that this Christian is shallow. You know, it's easier to start following Jesus than it is to stay, isn't it? Following Jesus requires depth. It demands more than just a superficial relationship with Christ. I think maybe this is where intentionality in the area of spiritual disciplines could help us because our fathers and mothers in the faith for 2,000 years have said time in the Word, time in community, time in prayer, time in confession. These things will help. But we live in a day where the average Christian family spends 30 to 50 hours a week watching TV. The average Christian teen spends two hours a day doing this. But if you ask the average Christian to spend 15 minutes a day in prayer and Bible study, they'll say, that'll be hard. I don't have much time. And I'm not implying that the goal is to start practicing spiritual disciplines. They are the means to the goal. The goal is to think more and talk more and act more like Jesus. And if you can't do those things, you probably have a fairly hollow follow. And then there's a kind of following that says, I'm not going far. A kind of being Christian that gets choked by the world. A Christianity that is so consumed with the pursuit of the treasures of this world that there is no discernible difference from the value systems that fellowship ought to be rejecting. Jesus said specifically, worries and riches and pleasures will choke the life I'm trying to produce in you. There is a reason Jesus talked more about money than any other subject except the kingdom of God. I'm going to say this next and it's so clearly and bluntly you can't miss it. If your relationship to Jesus hasn't radically affected how you view and use your money, then you're not following Jesus. You're just fond of Him. 
Jesus knew how to draw crowds. Feed them and heal them. Health and wealth. But then he would start talking about blood and sacrifice and crosses. He's on his way to die. He's headed to Jerusalem. He set his face. And this happened in Luke 9. They were walking along the road and a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now somebody give that guy a copy of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But Jesus was not interested in attracting a big Christian crowd that he knew would crowd him out of their everyday lives. Some years ago, a leader in the church in Romania under communist rule, a man named Joseph Tan, a man who was arrested, threatened with death, and on several occasions severely beaten, was having a conversation with a a well-known Baptist pastor at the time named Dr. Adrian Rogers. And Dr. Rogers asked Joseph Tan, what do Christians in Romania think about Christians in America? And Joseph Tan said, well, you put too much emphasis on commitment. And Dr. Rogers was perplexed. Commitment, that's a good thing. He said, well, commitment lets you retain control. You commit to losing weight. You commit to making car payments. You commit to reading your Bible or going to church. But you're still in control. When someone walks in with a gun and tells you to put your hands up, you don't tell them what you're committed to. You surrender and do what you're told. He said, in America, you're all about commitment. But in Romania, if you're going to follow Jesus, you just have to surrender. Now, you might think he's being a little semantically picky. But maybe there's a word there for us. Did you know that Jesus cares about nothing more than your response to his invitation? Follow me. For example, in John chapter 6, after he starts talking about blood and death and sacrifice, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, I want you to look at the next sentence. I want you to experience the humanity of Jesus, the emotion, the pathos. Can you, can you feel the tension in his heart when he turns to his disciples and he says, 
you don't want to leave me too, do you? Can you hear Jesus ask you that question? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He's not saying, I won't go there. I won't go deep. I'm not going far. He's saying, Lord, I'm not going away. I have unconditionally surrendered. I'm following you. Because I have found something in you that is worth losing everything else for. Now, producing people that will say that and then do that is the mission of this church. That's why we exist. To produce people that will say like Peter... I'm not going away. Now, I will tell you, it's messy. Have you ever been in a delivery room? They are messy. So don't give me that condescending whine about, I went to church and people there weren't perfect. Delivery rooms are messy. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is direction. But I will tell you this. I'm frustrated by the attitude of so many that go by that bumper sticker. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. We're a lot more than that. Forgiveness is part of the gospel, but so is formation. I'm not just forgiven. I'm becoming someone. I'm changing because there is life in me now producing in me who I didn't used to be. Because he didn't say, follow the rules. He said, follow me. How cool is that? I mean, follow, there's gravity in that word. But there's such majesty in the word me. Peter got it. Where are we going to go, Lord? You. There's life with you. Yes, fellowship means that we're offering our lives to Jesus. But do you get this? That fellowship means Jesus is offering his life to us. See, a lot of us, frankly, became Christians because we wanted our get to heaven card stamped. And because we knew that Jesus knows something about life after Death. But when he said follow, he's offering so much more than life after death. He's offering life instead of death. He's offering life right now. His life in us. He died for us so he could live in us and live through us. Fellowship is just the outliving of the indwelling Christ. Now, you believe. That Jesus knows a lot about life 
after the grave. The question you got to wrestle with is, does Jesus know anything about life before it? Do you want life like Jesus now? Peter says, this is the kind of life you've been invited to. The kind of life Christ lived. It is the most costly and the most daring and the most wonderful life possible. Follow me. And so, I read with some interest a testimony by a man named Charles Duke, who in 1972 became the 10th and youngest person ever to walk on the moon. Now, what do you do with your life when at that early age you have reached the pinnacle of your particular career? Well, in his case, he came home severely depressed. Along with his wife, so depressed that she contemplated suicide. But a friend invited her to church. And she surrendered her life to Jesus. And through her witness, Charles did too. And he spends most of his time now going to prisons in South Texas. Talking about the life he has found. And he makes this statement. Walking on the moon cannot compare with walking on the earth with Jesus. I'm going to close with two challenges. My first challenge is to all the Christians listening to me. Stop it. For too long, we have said the point of the gospel is to answer the question, if I died tonight, do I know I would go to heaven? And I hope you can answer that question. But the gospel is so much bigger than do you know where you'll be if you die tonight? A better question is, do you know who you'll be if you wake up tomorrow. And I hope you can say, yes, I'm going to be like Jesus. And to all the seekers that are listening to me, please don't miss Jesus because of Christians. Chase Jesus. Read about Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Ask Jesus to show up in your life. Because I know if you do, you will come to the place where you will say, Can I be baptized? I want to follow. Jesus. So, Father, 
I pray right now that you will prepare every heart with the humility necessary to receive this message. Transcend the frailty of my own attempt to communicate. And may your spirit penetrate each person with a fresh invitation to follow Jesus. For his sake and name, we ask it. Amen. Let's all stand. I think some of you need to do something with this message. There are going to be some people down front to pray with you, to counsel with you, to help you be immersed into the life of Jesus. Please come.